You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Getting hour two underway, just a tad late, it's fine. (laughs) Peter Klein, Matty Rose, Patty Dumas, GVP, making up your roster for the week. Mr. Russick will be back uh, the week after. Just a little time off, a little time back at home, a little rest, recharge, probably play some golf. Yeah, he, he won't be back in these neck of the woods till probably September 5th, around there. Shh. Shh. Don't tell. Don't tell who? Don't tell. We the like magic to, of radio. We like to pretend that he's oh, here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretend Shh, the secret. Oh, yeah. Don't, no, don't tell Art. I'm sure he has no idea either. Don't oh, tell what? the boss. Yeah. Oh, Artie boy. Artie boy. Artie boy. I'd like to add mine to that as well. <laughs> yeah. Mentioned it earlier. Uh, Pete's hanging out with us. Um, Hi. And then you're doing the afternoon next week, right? Yes. So the beauty of that is that we can rehash all of your takes from the summer, mm-hmm. and they can't do that next week, but we can do it this week during the midst of summer. Shouldn't do that next week. Still probably oh, will yeah. do that That's next week. That's a very week. good point yeah, by yeah. you. Very good point by you. Yeah, because, um, listen, we, we talked a lot of stamps off the top. Mm-hmm. Going on a full breakdown of the CFL game yesterday. The Stampeders lost. Hour one, wherever you get your podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, or Amazon. We are live in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. But I wanted to ask you about the Calgary Flames because last offseason, a ton of stuff changed. Player-wise, yes. personnel-wise, obviously the two big tr- movements transactions, Johnny Gaudreau left for Columbus, Matthew Kachuk left for Florida, Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, first-round pick, come back. And then this offseason was the front office, was the coaching staff, was everything changing there. Ryan Huska eventually gets the job after Craig Conroy gets named the general manager. And as much as it does feel like we're turning a new chapter here, everything is from within the organization. So it doesn't feel like a a whole new book, maybe, in that sense. Um, But... Did you like the idea that the Flames went within the organization? Or were you more of the idea that you should probably look outside and really try and get a real fresh look at this? I I liked the way that they went. Um, I, I feel like, not that it was just like the, this absolute dictatorship, but I, I don't necessarily <laughs> know if... Um, if the the way that uh, specifically, I guess, Daryl Sutter wanted to do things was the way everyone else wanted to do things. But I also think like Brad Living certainly had a big say in things. And so I, I think while Conroy was part of like the, the whole thing and not that he was pulling the rope in the, the other direction or anything, mm-hmm. I do think that his perspective, even though he's still been in the organization for a thousand years, is a, a bit of a fresh one. And he has, in his journey up to this point, has like touched every part of the organization. And uh, I think he has a really good knowledge of everything that's going on with the team. So I, I like that he, while still having a familiarity with everything there, does bring a bit of a fresh perspective. And what did you make of Dave Nonis being part of this process? Like, you as someone who is rumored to maybe be in the running for the main job, I actually, we, we know that he interviewed for Craig Conroy's job, ends up being the assistant general manager. What did you make of that wrinkle of, of you know, a guy who's worked in Canadian markets, Toronto, Vancouver, getting back in the fold here at the Flames? I, I think the role that he's in is fine. I, I think if he would have been, like, head honcho in charge, I would have... That would have been very underwhelming. You know, that that kind of would have just 
been a bit of deflating. But I, I think having someone who has been around it, like you said, in Vancouver, in Toronto, uh, typically two very chill markets. Uh, so he, you know, just not really used to what's going to be happening here. Yeah. But uh, for for someone to to have been around it for as long as he has in those different scenarios, I think will be good just to have someone to to bounce some things off of because Conroy, um, you mentioned it before, uh, Drew McGinley coming in neither of them having the experience in the roles that they've had, having a Dave Nonis there to kind of guide the ship a little bit, I think is a, a positive thing. I was talking about this, I think it was on Friday, but I was saying like there was a video that the Flames dropped that had Jerome McGinley just wishing best of luck to the Canadian women's soccer team. And you're just like, man, he's 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 in it. Yeah, he's part of it. That doesn't happen last year. That doesn't happen the year before. No, no. of course that not. That doesn't happen he years ago. He wasn't... There's nobody in the organization that would have done that. It wasn't a job requirement. Exactly. At that point. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's a little bit different. Now, I'm not saying that he, he wouldn't have done it, but at the same time, yeah. it, it's just one of those little things that you're like, this guy's going to be around now. Yeah. And I don't think that that is a little thing. I think that is an important thing. And, and we talked about it last week with Rick Ball as well. When you have a guy who is part of the Flames lifeblood, and getting him back in the organization. Not to say that the 89 alumni don't do that because they do an exceptional job of it, Yeah. but there's a new wave of fans that don't know 89, that know 2004, and it's the closest they've ever been. Mm -hmm. And as a result, Jerome being more of a part of it, Craig being more of a part of it, Mika Kiprasov getting his number retired, all of these types of things are important, relevant, and I think change the kind of tone of how the team has looked like looked at in the city ahead of next season. 100%. And I agree. Like, the 89 group does a tremendous job of being out in the community, all of those things. Um, but they won that Stanley Cup before I was born. And as uh, my wife so eloquently put it the other day, I got more salt than pepper in my hair now. Like, 89, <laughs> 89 was a while ago, dude. dude. And so, yeah, I, hat covers it up really well. Yeah. Um, but no, for... For, for this organization now to take that step forward. And yeah, like, just like you said, Mika Kiprasov getting his jersey retired, to acknowledge that part of it and to have that group coming in. Um, again, just waiting for Tony Amani and Owen, Owen Nolan now. Yeah, yeah. But mm -hmm. no, I, I think that is good because it's it's cool when you're at the Dome and you just see Lanny walking around. Yeah. But now to have that that 04 representation, I, I think will be, it, it'll be fun to see. And it just like, just to have it more official, like you said, it just, it shouldn't because it like in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter. But well, look at Philadelphia. It's, it's cool. They've tried to do it and, right. and it's been a disaster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like other teams have tried uh, a number of times, you know, like the, the, the Sedins are, in some capacity, um, working could, with the, the Canucks, and that hasn't gone tremendously you well. You could also point at Joe Sackick in Colorado, right? Right. Like yeah, there's, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go great. It doesn't mean it's going to go poorly. It just means that it's neat. You know, it's just it's yeah. cool to have them around. That's it. I, I would rather they're around than they're not. That it, it doesn't change one millisecond of things that happen on the ice, but it's just nice. And this is an organization that, frankly, there weren't... There weren't cool things happening. You lost nope. your two best players. Yeah. Being around the head coach last didn't feel very cool really at all. Sucked. That was right? awful. Like, there was very little fun last year. We, we got to make Walker Dewar jokes. That was fun for a little bit. Yeah, that was great. Um, you had a couple of kids score, we but were, even then. We were stoked about the Stetch Dog around the show, but yeah. that was, a, you know, limited. and Right. Like, Jacob Pelche has one good game, and then the coach kind of takes all the air out of that balloon with a stupid press conference after. Like, that, there was very few things you could enjoy for more than 45 minutes of the Flames last year. Yeah. So, again, what it all comes back to, improved vibes. It just it feels better around here right now. <coughs> and I don't know if that's going to uh, turn into results on the ice. Probably not. 
Because, like, <laughs> our, our buddy Julian McKenzie from The Athletic uh, recently put out his uh, kind of depth chart 1.0 for the offseason. You look at it and you're like, huh, yeah. There, there's a lot of young guys that will have some. A lot of opportunity. That's yes. a good way to put it. Yeah. There's a lot of kids that will have plenty of opportunity and, frankly, will need to grab that opportunity if they want to be a playoff team, especially when you look around the rest of the division. Maybe less so the conference. The Central isn't the powerhouse that it was even three or four years ago after yeah. Nashville had like gone to the Stanley Cup final in recent years and, and stuff like that. Like Nashville doesn't seem like a problem anymore. St. Louis doesn't seem like the same no. problem they were back right after they won the Cup. There's Minnesota can't really get out of their own well, way. Well, they don't have the cap space to make a team that's really challenging. And they still yeah. have good players and they're coached well and they play hard and you hate playing in Minnesota. Because it's rabid, but you know Colorado's there and Dallas is there, and apart from that, it's you know Chicago and Arizona. Eh. Connor Bedard is going to be great and fun to watch, but how many games is that team going to win? Not a lot. Twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five. Yeah. We'll see. Depends on what Connor Bedard really can do. But if you look <laughs> at the way this Flames roster is constructed, like, what do you think is a realistic aspiration for this team? Playoff team? Yeah, I, I think wildcard team. Um, mm -hmm. I think like in the mix, at least playing meaningful games around like March and April. That is how currently constructed. I th there's still so much going on around this team, and quite frankly, I am surprised that as we sit here on July 24th, this roster looks the way that it does. I, I thought once the Toffoli domino fell, that kind of signaled a direction, but it, it has been a lot quieter than I expected on guys like Lindholm and Hannafin and that sort of a thing. If you could pick one player to bounce back to the career year they had prior. I'm talking about Jonathan Huberto, who, you know, he had sub 60 points, but the year prior, 114. Yeah. Jacob Markstrom, whose numbers weren't good, but their year prior was runner up for the Vesna. If you could pick one of those players to have a bounce back to that form this year, who would it be? And I'm not talking about looking just at this year, but as the Flames moving forward as a whole. Who yeah. needs, who, if you could pick one to bounce back, who would it be? Man, it, it feels like it should be Markstrom because like goalie is such an important thing. But if Huberto can get going to the, the Florida Panthers level, he just makes so many people around him better, you know? And that's then someone that you can put uh, a Matt Coronado or a Jacob Pelche or someone with and help kind of elevate a young player and get them a little bit more familiar. Kind of like, I just referenced them, but kind of like the Sedins with, he wasn't a young player, but with Ensign Carter or something like get yeah. the He is someone who, when he is on, he has the hockey IQ and the playmaking ability to make others around him significantly better. And that allows you to stretch the lineup out. And all of a sudden a team that doesn't have the strongest of depth all of a sudden looks a little bit deeper because you can put a young kid or two on that top line. And so I think because Huberto can make everyone around him better, he is the one where if he can get back to being that dude, then it, it really helps this team out. I have a sleeper tandem for you to keep an eye on for the upcoming season. Okay. Jonathan Huberto and Oliver Shillington. Yeah. Shillington will be big. And the reason I say a tandem is because Jonathan Huberto, one of the things he does so well is gets across the blue line, similar to what Johnny Gaudreau would do. Johnny Gaudreau would usually do a little button hook, um, you know, spin towards the boards, protect the puck, and then find help coming. Jonathan Huberto does something similar, except he usually kind of slows up, opens up his hips, looks for uh, help coming that way. 
And I just thought for a lot of the time, I thought lat in late in the season, like guys like Nikita Zadorov started to understand that if you join the rush of the fourth man, there's a high chance that Jonathan Huberto is going to put the puck on your tape and you're going to get a real nice shooting shot, shooting chance. Yeah. Oliver Shillington is one of those guys who doesn't think twice about joining the rush whenever the opportunity no. is there. And I just think that that could be something that'll be fascinating to watch as they move forward as, as he gets used to the fold and, and Jonathan Huberto kind of tries to get back to yeah. what we know he can be. Um, not necessarily, he doesn't have to be 115 points, but more of a point per game player. Yeah. 80 would be nice. <laughs> that'd be good. Yeah. Um, ten and a half million dollars. That would, that would be good. I would appreciate that. Yeah. Greatly. But uh, you're right. Like, and I think there's a lot and it, it felt like I harped on it a bit too much, but I still think there's a bit more offensive potential on the blue line, just in general, like Mackenzie oh, yeah. Weger seems like there's quite a bit of offensive upside there. And I still don't know if we've got 100% of what Noah Hannafin can do offensively either. Like it, it feels like there's a little bit that can be unlocked and you're right. If mm. you can have those guys kind of helped out again by Huberto elevating his game in kind of a, a rising tides sort of a situation. Where are you at? And, and we've beat this one dead, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on it. But Backlund, Lindholm, Hannafin, expiring contracts, probably going to start the season as members of the Flames. Yeah. How do you see this? Do they have to be dealt before training camp? Can you trade them at the deadline if the team is playing well? What does playing well define? Like if they are <laughs> chasing a wild card position, is that good enough to hold on to everybody and walk them to free agency? Or do they have to be higher up? How are you looking at those three players and their future with the organization. I think given how last offseason went, you cannot go into next offseason with all of these guys having their contracts up. I think unless they are on like a 115-point pace and are just laughing at puny little Edmonton and Vegas beneath them <laughs> in the standings, I don't think you Boy, can... Boy, that sounds far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So it's like that. that there's like a 1% chance that you feel comfortable with not dealing them and just letting it ride going into... Uh, going into next offseason. And this is where I do think that the vibes conversation that we had at the start of this kind of ties into it. I think you can make a very compelling point, And I think we did that last year was worst case scenario for basically everyone not named Tyler Defoley. You know, like it, it was just dreadful. It wasn't fun. It was terrible. Everyone hated it. There's people tweeting about how bad the atmosphere is and then no one denied it. They just said, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. So I, I think that, you can say, look, we get you guys don't want to resign here now because last season sucked. Can you can, give us a few months? Hang out. We got a new coach. People seem to like him. Craig Conroy is the most likable human being on the face of the planet. Just hang around with the new vibes. See Kiprasov's jersey go into the rafters. See Jerome McGinley shout out every national team that's ever played. And just like be around this team. And if you still don't want to be here, fine. We will move you to wherever you want to be moved to or wherever we want to move you to um, right around the trade deadline. But I, I think you can make a pretty compelling case that if you can get some of these guys back to close to a pre-last year level, that maybe things go a bit better. Maybe you sign another extension or two along the way. But I think odds are what will probably happen is you'll play this thing out. This team will have flashes where it looks really good, flashes where it looks really bad. They'll be battling for a wild card spot. And then in that case, everything that's not stapled down must go. If they're 500 a quarter into the season, what's the reaction? I think you start shopping those guys. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like I, like I said, it has to be. You also, either... 500 is like really bad in the NHL. Yes. Yeah. That's not. Like, 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 eight, like, eight. like, if you finish the season you... with 82 points, you don't feel good. 
No, five, you you need like a five ninety win percentage to get into the playoffs in the NHL. Right. So if you're five hundred, then yeah, it's you you are absolutely exploring avenues for basically everyone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So like everyone not named Wolf, basically you're you're and like a couple of the other kids, right? But well, it's probably going to be all the guys who, you know. Yeah, you're not getting a ton right now for Blake Coleman. All well, due respect. No. It, well, I don't know. Blake Coleman could go out and have a good year, and someone might like him. Look at what Tanner Janot got. They're not I the guess. same player. Yeah. But, you know, the market dictates what a player's value is at the trade deadline. Um, but it's going to be Zadorov. It's going to be the three that we talked about. Oliver Shillington is going to be a UFA at the end of next year as well. Dylan yep. Dubé is going to be an RFA. He's going to need a new deal. Tanev is like the exact type of defenseman that I think everyone is looking for around playoff time. His contract is up at the end of the year. Now he has a a modified no trade clause, but if it's again, miserable around here, I don't think that would be an overly difficult conversation to have. No. So like, I, I don't mind them going into the season and just seeing if it's addition by subtraction, by not having that cloud that was hanging over this team last year, by having that gone. And if those, like if, if those guys want to stick around, then if it's relatively reasonable, then fine. Keep them around and try to build around it that way. But I think the more realistic way this is going to play out is this team's going to stay together kind of as is heading into the season. They're going to play all right, but then you probably have to deal a lot of these guys leading up to the trade deadline. So get excited for that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mika Kiprasov's jersey retirement is March the 2nd, and the trade deadline is March the 1st. I'm like, oh, man. Should have done that earlier so the guys yeah. can see that and then just like try and like capitalize on the vibes there. Right. And get those deals done right after. But now it's going to be a little bit more difficult to do. Maybe it's because right after the deadline, everything's going to be gone and they're going to need to build back a little bit of fanfare. <laughs> yeah, maybe exactly. that's. Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, or maybe they just picked a date in March and said this is a great day to retire a jersey, and they weren't thinking about anything else. Yeah, they just went and that one. That's March second. Pr- cool. Let's go with probably a little bit closer to what actually <laughs> happened. Um, the state of the Flames, as seen by Rose and Peter Klein, around the corner. The state of the Toronto Blue Jays. Ooh. We're also going to get into this with Caleb Joseph right around eight thirty, and we're going to talk some CFL with Justin Dunk just after eight o'clock. But coming up next, the Blue Jays. They head to L.A. to battle the Dodgers. How are we feeling about this group right now? The deadline draws closer and closer. The Shohei Otani rumors continue to persist, although not necessarily with the Blue Jays. But we'll get into the Jays around the corner. Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program, Big Show X. Matty Rose, George Russick, no Russick though. He's Peter Klein. Just kidding. We're also not rebranding the show. <laughs> the X if you, show. If you woke up and your Twitter is now X, it's the way so, she goes. Is it Elon's called, world? We're just living in it. Is it still called Twitter or is it just X now? I think they are still was, called Twitter. Okay, it's called it? Twitter for now, but it is going to be. Are they changing the re-branded. app icon too? Oh yeah, the, the app I, icon's still a bird. The for bird, me at least. The bird is going to be long gone. The, the bird, bird is, is the off bird. the website. That's really stupid. No more bird. Yeah, he didn't like the bird. I uh, stumbled across a Twitter thread that explained how the bird got designed yesterday because oh. they are taking the bird away from everything. All the X now, and I'm like, this is such a lame logo too. Anyways, social media, baby. Yeah, love it. 
What just an absolute dropping of the ball of this app over the last oh, 18 months or whatever. Yeah. The one the one social media that I actually used. <laughs> it's oh, the one wow. that I have like the most following on and it is oh, for sure. barely un basically unusable yep. now. Yeah, I don't know if anybody sees my stuff. Probably not. Or they've already put me on mute, which is fine. <laughs> you were more than obligated to do that. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays win one of three against the Seattle Mariners over the course of the weekend. Um, if we were going into the weekend, I told you the one win that they would have is the Alec Manoa start. How surprised would you be? Quite. Yeah. Very, very surprised. On a scale of 1 to 10, probably a 15. Kevin Gossman returned to the lineup on Saturday. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. They're all right. Yeah, it was, it was okay. Um, and then it was uh, Manoa there on Sunday. That's when they got the victory. Uh, now they play the Dodgers. Three straight in L.A. So late starts. 8-10. Today and tomorrow, it'll be... We're expecting uh, Barrios and Bassett to go in the first two games and Yusei Kikuchi to be in the finale. That's going to be a getaway game with a 2-10 start on Wednesday. How are you feeling about the Toronto Blue Jays? Coming out of the All-Star break, Vladdy wins the Derby. He's got, what, three or four home runs since four. then after yesterday. Um, how are we feeling about this team as a whole? Still a little incomplete. Like, mm. they, they are still, I think they're absolutely a playoff caliber team. Um, but that there is still, I think, a bit of an adjustment that needs to be made, I think, to this roster approaching the deadline to get them kind of over that hump. You look at the, the rest of the American League, apparently Baltimore is just going to stay for real the, the rest of the season. That's just going to be a thing. But, neck and neck with the Rays right now. Yeah. And pulling away. Like, they, they just beat, I think they beat them three out of four this weekend. Um, so you look at the rest of the American League, Baltimore, I still don't trust that they have the pitching to, to keep this going into October. The Central is an absolute tire fire. Out West, the, the Rangers, I would imagine, again, still waiting for them to kind of fall off a little bit. The Astros I take seriously, but they don't seem unbeatable now. This is not an American League where it feels completely out of reach. If the Blue Jays can just put a few good weeks together, you, you feel a bit more comfortable about it. But you would still feel a whole lot better if there was... At least, even after Ryu, one more starting pitcher that you trusted instead of, well, we're sending Manoa down to the minors. Okay, who are you bringing up? Nobody. Don't worry about it. Yeah, four-man rotation. We're just yeah. cutting one guy out. Right. We have exactly five big league starting pitchers in this entire organization. I would feel comfortable with a couple more. So I think starting pitching depth needs to be addressed. And Trent I think Thornton you need... doesn't do it for you anymore? No, no, no. <laughs> in fact, he does not. Nope. That is a negative on that one. Um, and I think you need something else in the bullpen. I think we've seen with Romano having a bit of a back thing. He doesn't look totally right. Like it, it just it looks... love those all-star injuries. Oh, frustrating, <laughs> but it, it looks uncomfortable for him right now. So if you go out and get one more reliever, I would feel a whole lot better about things with this team. Like, I don't think they are that far away, but you, you'd still need to, I think, add to this team at the deadline. So you mentioned another starting arm, another yeah. reliever bats are good for you. Bats are all right. I wouldn't. Uh, another right-handed bat off the bench would be all right. But this feels the, like they just need guys to be better. Like it's yeah. not necessarily like an out of mar <sighs> out of market thing. Right. I right? want some more. I I would say like I look at the four. Like I look at Kiermaier, Springer, Merrifield, Brandon Belt, all thirty plus, yeah. aging, mm. not the most reliable when it comes to the health department. I mean, especially with Belt and Springer. It's these these and and then Dalton Varsho is disappointing as well. Uh, been a big disappointment as well this year. So I think yeah, you want to add a, another bad be it something off the bench that can help you out in the outfield or, or just something just along the infield. It, it, I think a 
bat almost almost right right there neck and neck with the add a, uh, adding a pitcher. Like you, I think you need to go out and get both. You need two things. You need a bat. And you need a you need either some relief, some long relief that can help you bridge you to to Romano late in the or, or late relief. I mean, Chad Green's coming, but obviously he's still probably at least three weeks, two weeks, maybe at least from seeing and, him up and here. And at in the Toronto. same time, like what can you expect out of guys that have missed that exactly. much time with yeah. injury? You don't know. It's As an a pitcher, unknown. it's the same thing with Ryu. Is oh Ryu's back? Well, Ryu wasn't that great when he left in the first place. Yeah. Also, yeah. pitching's changed. I get they're like rehabbing and stuff right now, but pitching's changed. Like that pitch clock yeah. is it's different. Uh, it, it's a factor. I it think basically that, ruined Alec Manoa. Uh, yeah, I think it is the big <laughs> thing for Alec Manoa, right? And like um, with with the Marlins, Alcantara uh, hasn't been the, the same guy since the, the pitch clock. Like there have been a few guys who that this thing has affected. So it, it's one thing to go out there. Uh, against the Lansing lug nuts and and be mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. with the, the pitch clock. It's another thing when it's the freaking Dodgers. Yeah. So like yep. it's it's going to be a, a bit of an adjustment. And you're right. Like one thing about this Blue Jays team, they have been remarkably healthy this season. Yeah. Right. Like that there has been yeah. basically no injury. The, the only issue they've had in the starting rotation is Manoa just forgot how to pitch and and like, Simber in the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. And like injury wise in the lineup, it's nothing really mm-hmm. like they, they have been incredibly fortunate. So I, I think you, you can't really rely on that. And like you said, like mm-hmm. a lot of the guys who have stepped up for them, Merrifield has given you everything you could have hoped for. Yep. Same thing with Brandon belt. You have to think that over the course of 162 games, eventually one of them is going to sit for 15 days. And I just don't know what's behind them in the organization to come up and fill that spot. And we saw it yesterday when all the lefties came out of the game it just does, like Santiago Espinal. That's great. He put on muscle two years ago, but I, I don't necessarily trust him now. Varsho playing in center field, fine, but he has been underwhelming. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you do need to just kind of create a bit more depth in this organization. I think a right-handed bat is absolutely a need for this team, and I would prefer a couple of arms. But if you can only go out and get one, then go out and get one. Well, it's one of those things too, right? Like we we mentioned with the batters. Like yeah, you just need a handful of guys to play better, but you don't have anybody who's going to be joining you off the injured list, like a trade deadline acquisition. Like right. the Yankees are about to get, or maybe who knows? Yeah. But Aaron Judge looks like he's going to make a return soon. Yeah, and the Yankees are only what. Two games back at Toronto, yeah, and they've been missing their best slugger the entire they've, season. They've played dreadful, and, and they're only yeah, two and they've games been back. bad. Yeah, they've they, been like, bad in stretches. Yeah, th- their offense—it's like Oakland, Kansas City, and then the Yankees over the last little bit. Like Ooh. it's been bad, and they're still hanging around. So they yeah, were right, last like, place in the division for like the first time in like twenty-five years, yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah, but, and like where's where's the the the, the cavalry coming in? You know, yeah. like that there isn't uh, unless you, you want to throw Tiedemann uh, out of the, the minors and just into the bullpen, maybe fine. But from an offensive standpoint, there isn't that one guy who's all right, this dude's coming in late August, early September, and he's going to give this spark to this team. Like there isn't that in this organization right now, which is why you kind a, you ha- kind of have to do the bargain bin shopping. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go out and you don't have the pieces to go get an Otani or something like that. But th- there isn't that reinforcement coming in, in this team. This is kind of just, what they are right now, and they've been incredibly fortunate to get to this point. So they have this series of the Dodgers, which standings-wise, you know, you just got to get the victories because they're a National League team. It mm-hmm. is what it is. But then after that, it is the Angels, yep. who, you know, they're still in the wild card race technically. They got 51 wins. The Jays have 55. Only four out. Um, and Mike Trout is slowly working his way back. And then after that, you have a three-gamer with the Baltimore Orioles. 
huge. Or a four gamer with four the gamer. Warriors, yeah. Orioles, and then a three gamer with the Red Sox. Yeah. So um, the point that I'm trying to make here is that you kind of have to get right against the Dodgers. Yeah. Because you can't be wasting time against all those mm-hmm. divisional, and then the Angels are divisional, but they're yeah, right we, in that wild card. Range. We, if you get smoked by the Angels in three series, all of a sudden they're right back in it, and you could really just kind of put the <laughs> pedal down and almost stop worrying about them for at least a month or so. I think it was yeah. last year, uh, Shohei, when the Angels came in here. They, I think they t- took the Jays out two or three or something like that. So the Angels have played the Jays tough. And then, obviously, we don't even need to say like the seven wins in the division aren't going to cut it. No. Not uh, in this division. No. Have they, they haven't beat the Red Sox this year, have they? I don't think so. Nope. So fix that. Like, for sure fix that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, you guys are right. Like, And even just this last little stretch here. San Diego and Seattle are fine teams, but if this Blue Jays team can reach the heights that I think they can, Mm -hmm. you should be beating those teams. And talk about putting teams away. We just mentioned the Yankees have been really bad. They have one good series against the Royals, and now they're right back in it. Like That is how thin the margins are in the American League right now, where I feel like Toronto still has a team that can pull away. They haven't, and they've let the Yankees hang around. They've let this Red Sox team that has no business being close to a playoff (laughs) spot hang around. The Angels should be gone. Like All these teams should be done. This was a weekend you could have put Seattle basically out of their misery, and now they think they can hang around. right? Like There's all these teams that the Jays could have had a chance to just absolutely put in the rearview mirror and a bad outing from Manoa against the Padres and a couple of bad bullpen games, and all of a sudden... It is white knuckle time from here to October. Well, how about until August 1st when the trade deadline comes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Over under trades made by the Blue Jays before the deadline. One and a half. I think it needs to be over. Needs I, to be over, yeah. but in your heart, probably under. Mm. You? No, they're going to go over. They, I, they, they have to. They make like, three they sh- deals? I think they have to. Like, they'll go, they'll make, at least make, they'll make the two. Mm. They'll make the two. Maybe three players in one deal. Maybe. And that way they can get all the... I think part of this, like, Varsho defensively fine. Swanson has been good in the bullpen, and there were situations with Teoscar. To only come away from Lourdes, Moreno, and and Teoscar Hernandez with two players, neither of them... Like, Swanson's been fine, but neither of them Mm -hmm. have made a major impact. The one, Varsho. Yeah, and Varsho, who is, like, defensively very good, but I think his... um, OPS plus is like 70, which is 30% below league average. Yeah. Like you to only come away with that type of an impact is really underwhelming. And when you're looking at an organization that is lacking depth, if you're going to be moving away, one of the top prospects in baseball, Lourdes Goriel Jr., who while flawed, won a gold glove a couple of years ago and can hit the hell out of a ball. Mm. And Teoscar Hernandez, who you just saw um, is a quality offensive player. And also maybe, leads the league in strikeouts. But yeah. Like he's he, not having the same year with the bat that he's used to. No, but. but you're still, you're looking at a Jays team that we're talking about lacking in right-handed hitting and stuff like that. And I'm not saying keep those guys around. I'm just saying, get more for them and help out the depth of this organization. So we're not saying, yeah, if they can make four trades at the deadline. That would be great. It's so funny because all at the end of last year, it was like, you know what they need? Better defense, left-handed bats. <laughs> and now it's like, they need pitching right-handed. and right-handed, right-handed bats. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, this shopping list is never complete. Oh, boy. Uh, we'll get into, into it with uh, Caleb Joseph. Always love when he stops by the show. 
Uh, he's going to join us just after 8.30. We'll talk a little bit of Blue Jays then. Justin Dunk is set to join us just after 8 o'clock because we're going to get into the CFL story as well. Uh, if you listen on podcasts, this episode's been a little bit shorter because Hour 1 was very long. You can get Hour 1 on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And Hour 2 will be up in uh, 15-ish, 20 minutes if you want. Uh, Pete's thoughts on the state of the Flames plus our little breakdown of the Toronto Blue Jays just there. Uh, we will take a break and then around the corner. Corner. Talk a little CFL. Justin Dunk joins us from Three Down Nation next. Sportsnet 960, the fan.